This is the Ghoul's Guide to Santa Barbara. What in the hell are you doing in my graveyard? You've been told to stay away. I have no. literally no idea. No, I don't know. You can, wait, no okay. can we have a hint, though? Because it's no fun if we just can't. I guess. will give you a hint. The next part of the quote okay. is, sound off like you've got a pair. Oh, I don't know. No, that didn't help. All I can picture is, um, except for it's on a movie, it's the TV show, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, when Patton Oswalt's <laughs> in the, they're in the graveyard, and he's like a security guard. Oh, I've never seen I've that, never so... Seen that. No, it is from The Frighteners, starring Michael J. Fox. I should have known that. I just watched it. <laughs> oh, did you really? Yeah. yeah so Susie. that's um, that's the um, uh, the judge, the ghost. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I've never even heard of that it's movie. It's such a freaking <gasps> oh, good movie, and Jen, we need to watch so it. It's so good. You gotta watch it. It's is it like an old movie? Oh, like nineties? Well, yeah. yeah. Oh, two thousands. Michael J. Fox, Jake Busey, Trini wow. Alvarado. Yes. Yeah. It's excellent i'll have to look for that one okay <laughs> no you just don't and we'll watch it together oh, oh good idea forcibly good on idea. halloween yeah. <laughs> or something like that it's a really good it. perfect terrible movie it's not even ter- it's not even terrible it's pretty terrible <laughs> it is not Friend, i love you but <laughs> terrible movies are the best <laughs> it's excellent okay it's great highly recommend yeah <laughs> welcome to oh, uh another episode of the ghoul's Wanna guide do that to santa again? barbara because i talked over you i'm sorry <laughs> No, that's okay. Okay. Uh, we like to start our podcast with a little movie quote and see if um, if our fellow podcasters can figure out what it is. Yeah, it's so weird to just like start, like and go. So <laughs> that's our little icebreaker. You'll hear it each time. Play along with us. We hope you will. Uh, that was very <laughs> that was very NPR. We hope you will. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, today is episode three. Woo-hoo. And uh, Summers is going to tell us the story of the murder of Noreen DiMartino. So let's throw it on over to Summers. Okay, so I do want to tell you a story, and it's my version of that hometown murder that uh, you always heard about as a kid. The murder that your parents always warn you about, and in this case, all of the kids my age were told about this murder by their parents. And I shouldn't say kids, all the girls my age were told about this murder and it was impressed upon us like how important it was to check the backseat of your car Ugh. when you get into it at night. I still do that. Yeah. Because like- of this murder. Um, and uh, because there might be someone back there. So I had for a long time, I drove a like 90s boxy Volvo. Me too. I-, I had one of those. They're so good. I love them. <laughs> And um, and I would forget because of ADHD and whatever to look in the back seat before I got in. So I would be driving and I would remember and I'd just reach my arm back and like flail it in the back seat area, like wondering if it was gonna hit like some sort of like human bulk. Oh, you're back supposed there. you're supposed to look before you get in the car. Well, oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Always. I look, I look after I get in. Well, what do you think's gonna, gonna happen if you? Start? I guess I'm just gonna get murdered. It just starts the murder sooner. 
I love that. I love that we do things like that. Like, oh, I'm just gonna feel back there because, like, yeah. what if you just like felt somebody's a, face, a knife, a knife in someone's hand, and you were like, oh, like, what are you gonna yeah, do? Yeah, exactly. That it just it's like I'm saying, oh, it begins. And then now the there's an axe and a guy back there. Totally. Well, oh my gosh. Totally. I, you know what I do? I look in the rearview mirror. But you can't see the floor. You can see behind the seats, Jen. Jesus. I mean, you can move it. I, I request politely that you please alter your method of checking. I'm just saying if I'm already in the car, I'm, I'd rather not stick my hand back there and have someone just grab my hand. I'd rather, like, check in the mirror. Look with your eyes at the part that you can't see in the mirror. I think what was key is, like, the old Volvos, the windows weren't tinted and, like, our modern cars the windows are tinted so like you can't see from outside the car summers but you could open your front door and look towards the back like you can see at an angle but i'm like trying to get in my car so i don't get murdered by somebody outside the car i know i know it's like a conundrum and there are many burdens upon us as women <laughs> I, yeah i think i think the moral of the story is if someone is is hiding in your car to murder you you're gonna get murdered, murdered. <laughs> Regardless. And it would be better to check before you're sitting in there. <laughs> like, yes, thank you. Okay. Point taken. Um, but, uh, and even the other day, I was driving at night, and I drive a, like a soccer mom car, even though I don't have kids, and uh, I had to pull over and get out, and like trigger the trunk of my car, and oh. then run away from it. Check the way back. Yeah. To see because like I hadn't checked and there were weird rustling noises back there. Oh no. And it was just like a skateboard or something. But oh, gosh. um but Did I just like axe? this murder is the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, this murder is the thing that makes oh, me do okay. that because it's like a real thing. It's not a it's like urban a, legend kind of yeah. thing. Um uh, so yeah, it wasn't an urban legend. It really happened, and our parents um, in the late 90s could actually point to this, that it happened to a woman in our town, and she died, and it was like the parents' dream of a cautionary tale for young drivers. Um, and although, this was in Goleta? I'm not there yet. Oh, sorry. But, uh, no, actually. Um, uh, okay, we're, you're going to get a lot of like meaningless context about my life in this episode. Um because that's who I am and how I talk. Uh, so real quick, I just want to point out also that this was the murder that my parents chose to talk to me about, despite the fact that we lived like three or four miles away from three Golden State Killer serial killing oh sites yeah. that they never mentioned to me my whole life. Uh, and I learned about it. I learned about those murders after they died. And I'm so curious because like we lived in the same kind of house that those murders happened in. So and like near the Creek, right? Yeah. Sliding glass door backed up to the Creek. Uh, they were just, they no were more, more concerned about you driving than being and murdered. About, in your about own the home. family being annihilated in <laughs> yeah. our home. Oh yeah. Gosh. I just, I don't understand that at all, but um, parents are weird. I know. And they've, uh, my parents are dead, so I can't ask them, but I would. Uh, so anyway, this is the story of the brutal and tragic and horrifying murder of Noreen DiMartino, which happened in Santa Barbara in late 1989. Uh, and as I said, it reminds me a lot of urban legends of, you know, women being followed home or that sleepover scary story. It probably has a name, but like where the guy who's driving home and the car behind him keeps putting its brights on. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then he looks in the 
you know, like that one. I don't know if that. Um, so late 1980s in Santa Barbara. And at the time, Santa Barbara was just beginning to slide out of the reach of regular middle class people to live here. Like it was just starting to get really expensive. Um, before then, like around the time, I would say it still reminded me a lot of like a random town, random suburban town from like Stranger Things or something. Like it was, that just happened just to be normal. beachy. It was just like a random little every town, I think. Um, but whereas now, like the median house price is nearly $2 million. Gosh. So working people, you know, are either renting or inherited or uh, just can't live here. Um, so I went to high school a little further out from Santa Barbara at Dos Pueblos High School. Um, and we didn't live in that district. So, okay, I'm going to just explain real quick yeah. and you can cut this. <laughs> but so there's Santa Barbara and that's like the most to the south. And there's Santa Barbara High School in like proper Santa Barbara, right? And then a little bit north is San Marcos, kind of in like a hinterland that's n- not <laughs> a city. And then Goleta. Which is- we are currently in. Yeah, and then uh, Goleta, which wasn't a city at the time, right. but it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, Goleta is a little more north, and that was Dos Pueblos High School, hilariously and unfortunately called DP. And that is where I went to high school. Um, even though I don't we didn't... think I know, I didn't think I knew that you went to DP. Yeah, I don't think I knew that either. Well, we didn't. I we I didn't grow up in the district, but my mom had taught at Dos Pueblos, okay. Oh, okay. and she needed to control every aspect of everything. So she like steamrolled the district and wow. got them to let me go there. That's the one that's like way out. Yeah, and so that's Galita, the one that, right? like, the other two schools at pep rallies they would dress up like hicks and make fun of us. And <laughs> oh my stuff. gosh! And like I don't know why because so there wasn't like a whole lot of ag land, but I guess there was before like lemon groves or right. something. I don't know. Um, so my freshman year of high school, which was not 1989, I'm skipping around. Um, I had gone to private school from kindergarten to eighth grade because my parents were snobs. And then they decided that the private school wasn't good enough. So they sent me to public school, Dos Pueblos. And, um, I was really nervous about it because I'd gone to like this tiny, tiny, tiny school. And then now I was going to just a high school that was like four times the size. And I didn't know one single person. Right there um and my mother knew that I was an anxious child and teen and still as she drove me up to Dos Pueblos for my orientation day she still dropped this on me your guidance counselor is going to be Mr. Martino. his wife was murdered it was <gasps> terrible oh my, gosh. oh my gosh so walking into the high school and I had a you know just like the I had to find this line and wait forever and I didn't know anybody and it was just like an awful experience orientation day and then I finally only context (laughs) yeah yeah and like just awful and I finally after waiting in line for ages got into this office and there is this lovely adorable little balding man Francis or Frank DiMartino and he was kind and quiet and he didn't look broken or you know yeah ruined the way that Uh, you would picture yeah. In your head. But as a every teen. time I saw him for my whole, like, every time ever that I saw him after that, I would just, like, detach a little bit and be like, how is he functioning? Oh, gosh. Yeah. And, um, and also try to find a sign that it was really true because I'm going to give you a little detour and talk to you about my mom again. <laughs> um, my mom was kind of an older mom, and she and my dad had both had kids before me, and I was the only one that they had together. And so instead of 
being the baby that got to roam free, like many youngest children, they decided to like regroup and really put their backs into like raising the perfect child. And it did not work. (laughs) But it was like, they were so controlling. And I mean, I loved them and they loved me, obviously, and they wanted the best for me. And I think my dad in particular, because he was an academic, he wanted me to be really smart. Mm -hmm. But like, you can't make a kid smart. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so. But you are smart. I know, but I don't think that that... I don't in think in that a way he, that he wanted you to be. Right. Yeah. Like, and I don't think he had, like, an influence on it. Like, maybe a little bit in terms of, like, how well I did academically. But he didn't, like, I don't know, rewire my brain or anything. So there was a lot of, like, neurosis and toxicity. And uh, they should have regrouped harder. <laughs> but, but anyway, um, and one thing, like, one thing that would happen with my mom especially is, like, even though she was the only... She and my dad were the only form of authority in my life, and I would have done anything they said because I just didn't have any... Until I was a teenager, I didn't really even question that, like, maybe Mm -hmm. I could rebel or think for myself or whatever, but she would still, if I argued with her, make things up. Oh, no. (laughs) And uh, so, like, I was trying to think of an example of this for you, and I can only think about a weird... Think of a weird one that happened when I was in high school, um... I said something to her about feral children raised by wolves. Uh-huh. Have I told you this? No. And well, I haven't told our listeners. So I got that. And uh, I mentioned it and my mom just spat out like immediately. She was like, well, that's, that doesn't exist. Huh. There's never, ever <laughs> been never a feral in the history child. of wolves. Wow. Or of it, like of any, like any wild animal. Cause I think I probably said like, well, maybe not wolves, but something. And she was like, no, that's never happened. Like, huh. as if she knew. And there was no internet at that time right. that we're having this conversation. She's met every child. <laughs> I know, I know. That's the thing. Like, she had no breadth of knowledge and no way to get that. Like, the only way that you could find out the answer to a question like that would have been, I think, right? Go to the library yeah, and ask a reference librarian. Or maybe look on, like, that prodigy thing that they had for a while or, like, <laughs> AOL or something. But, but my mom even, didn't know how to do those. What? nine, Like, early to mid-90s? Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I went to the library. Oh, my gosh. And I asked a reference librarian, (laughs) and I came home with a book about feral children raised by wild animals. My mother would have – I just would not have gone over well. It didn't go over well. (laughs) No. (laughs) And this is maybe my first experience of how people are not swayed by facts. Uh um, So – yeah, I brought home a book. It had photos wow. of like grainy black and white photos of like a child running on all fours from far away. And my mom was like, that's a fake. Like they faked <laughs> yeah. that. And parents don't generally like to be proven wrong. Yes. No, but like I feel, okay, definitely with my mother, no, she would double down and never, ever let up. My dad would have been like, all right, <laughs> you know, whatever, <laughs> like, all right, but you're still being a weirdo or something. I don't know. But um. Yeah, presented her with reputable photographic evidence, <laughs> and I was totally right, and uh, she well, would know, not admit it. there was those fairies that they <laughs> said were, there were photographic evidence of those, too. <laughs> Thought right. my fairies looked like drawings, though. This is definitely a real child, even if, like, it was posed or whatever. But um, my parents so, would have been like, if you're so into uh, feral children being raised by wolves, then we'll just go send you and you can you can see if those <laughs> wolves would <laughs> do a better job. <laughs> if you want to be with wolves so much. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, derailing. Yeah, that's totally like 
<sighs> okay, so that's why. The reason I tell you this is that's why I started to think that maybe the situation with Mr. Martino's wife, who was murdered, was maybe not true. And was my mom, like, making something up to mm-hmm. scare me? Or I don't know. Or maybe... Uh, and then the other thing about my mother is that uh, a few years after this, she got early onset dementia. And so looking back at her life through that lens, I'm never sure if she was getting symptoms before we really identified them. And like, maybe she thought that she heard that or like she made it up and she convinced herself it was true about the murder or something. So, or, you know, know, I will say as a parent myself that sometimes uh, you just play off the fact that kids believe you. (laughs) (laughs) This is like an identity crisis that has like echoed forward in my life. And she probably just was, I don't know. Um, she's like to your dad hey watch this I'm gonna make her believe feral children don't exist tomorrow I thought about that you know (laughs) even though they like knew a feral child or something I seriously like before we had children I thought to myself I mean you know everything that we learn is just what we're taught but like what if I just had a kid and then I just like as a prank just like taught them everything backwards. Oh my gosh. So it's like th- they'd show up to school the first day and their teacher would be like, okay, and this is your right hand. And my kid would be, no, that's the left. <laughs> and they'd be like, no, 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 it's the right hand. No, that's the, like their reality was that their left hand was their right and the right hand was their left. I'm, and the color white was the color black. And I'm the glad you did not do this to your children. Yeah. And I would like to just point out. <laughs> Jen's actual children are very well adjusted and lovely and they know things I, fa- I failed on that and I decided to, to be a pretty decent mom excellent but it was I, I consider I highly considered it oh, I fear you so okay so in Santa Barbara you have those three high schools right yeah and then off to the side somewhat towards Santa Barbara more is Hope Ranch which is a neighborhood it's a wealthy area um, there are two major wealthy areas in, like, quote-unquote Santa Barbara, or I think of it as Santa Barbara. There's Montecito, which is, like, movie stars and Megan and Harry and whatever, and then <laughs> Hope Ranch. Hope Ranch is, like, old money. Yeah, I was trying to think about that. Like, it it was – but it also wasn't, like, vast fortunes mostly, no. I don't think. Hmm. Like, there were a couple of, like, the Khashoggi family lived in Hope Ranch, but that's the yeah. only, like, super wealthy family I can think of. You could, like, potentially get a house in Hope Ranch if you just, like, planned well and saved money as, like, a middle-class yeah, person, it was like, it you was, know? it was upper-middle-class to yeah upper-class. Yeah. We we knew some people that lived there. Yeah. We used to, uh, we used to dr- get our parents to drive us over there for Halloween. Yes, it's so the best Halloween! So we could trick or treat at the rich totally. people's house. And one time I got this, the coolest thing, it was like a, it was like a straw filled with candies and then at the top it had this like pumpkin thing that rotated and it wow. was amazing and I thought it was just I was like we have to do this every year yeah they Let's would go give to the you rich like people candy bars yeah. and like just amazing definitely hope ranch for my Halloween. dad's friend lived there and uh they had a, I was telling someone this the other day they had a big uh, like a pool in the backyard but in the front yard they had this big like circular driveway and uh they had like a big fountain and we used to play in the fountain instead of the pool. Like the pool was like, eh, it's fun. just a pool. But the, the pool. fountain. That sounds super fun. Yeah, we used to swim in the fountain. 
it makes me happy that you also did Halloween there. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason I mention Hope Ranch is that that is where my guidance counselor, Mr. DiMartino, lived. Um, he lived in like a decently nice house there. And that's when that was attainable. So we're going to get to the night in question, which is November 11th, 1989. And Mr. DiMartino's wife, Noreen, went out in the evening in her cute little red sports car. A little more context for you. We have a newspaper in Santa Barbara called the Santa Barbara News Press. And it's very difficult to get archives of it unless you actually go to the library and look at like microfilm. So all of my sources are from the University of California at Santa Barbara, UCSB's student newspaper, The Daily Nexus. Oh, okay. And The Daily Nexus is a wonderful paper that I love, but it occasionally had a mistake in it. So, <laughs> um, so the cute little red sports car that Noreen was driving was reported in the Nexus as a Plymouth Blazer, but that doesn't exist. Oh, funny. And a Chevy Blazer doesn't make sense in the context of what happened, as you'll see. So I'm assuming they meant a Plymouth Laser. Oh, which we will put a photo of okay. on our Instagram, yeah. which is uh, at the Ghoul's Guide to SB. Yeah. I'm already questioning, how does a murderer hide in the back of a little sports car? I'm going to tell you. Go on. Okay. And so the, the key thing about that car is that it looks like a two-seater from the outside, but it's really, I, I guess that's called like a two plus two. It's one of those stupid cars that has the really long door. And you open it, and then you have to pop the seat forward, and then you can climb into this, uh -huh. like, substandard crappy back seat. <laughs> like, tiny one. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those. I described it in a better way in my notes. But, uh, <laughs> no, I did say very tiny, crappy little back seat. Um, and it'll be on our Instagram. And so Noreen went out in the evening in her car by herself, and it was a new car. It was a 1990 model year. Um, and she went to one of the major video rental places in Santa Barbara at that time. It wasn't like a national chain or whatever. They actually had VHS tapes. It was yes. just like there were three locations in Santa Barbara, I think. And this one was on Upper State Street. Was it Video Schmidio? No, it was okay. Captain Video. I was Video. Captain Video. Yeah, which is where I, I rented my first VHS tape. Amazing. Which was Stand By Me. Oh. Um, and it had like hooks on the shelves. So... And there were little tags, and you could pick either VHS or beta. Beta. <laughs> we had and then beta. you would take the tag for your movie oh, yeah, yeah. up to the yeah. counter, and I... they'd go in the back and get you your tape. You're slightly older than me. I do not recall this. Two years. Shut up. I said slightly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, and that was not far from Hope Ranch. It was maybe like, what do you think, like a five, ten minute drive? Yeah. Um, she went inside, did her video business, came back out got in her car and um, drove home to Hope Ranch. But to Mr. DiMartino, the story looks a little different because to him, his wife goes out to rent a movie and she never comes home. Um, so it's 1989, as I said, and not only is there no household access to any kind of internet, but we also didn't have cell phones right, for yeah. the younger listeners. <laughs> it was like right before that. I think towards the end of high school in the mid nineties, I had like one of those brick yes. cell phones in my, the, and it stayed in the glove compartment yep. of my boxy Volvo. It didn't like <laughs> travel around school with yeah. me. But so if your loved one goes out and doesn't come back at that time, like you either wait or you start calling hospitals, like you can't mm -hmm. try to reach them or reach the friend they were with or whatever. Right. And I would assume because this has happened to me, if you have a particularly unreliable loved one who, tends to just disappear and get mm -hmm. drunk or whatever like eventually 
after very few times of that happening, you don't call around. Right. But Mr. DiMartino did call around, so that wasn't her character. Like, she was yeah. just, like, a normal 53-year-old woman. She was a nurse part-time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she was just, she was a responsible lady. Not that that really matters, because she didn't deserve to get murdered anyway. Um, so he's been up most of the night calling around, and then he called sheriff's office. And it gets to be about, like, 6 in the morning. And another thing we used to do was get the newspaper in this town. So he goes out to get the paper and he finds his wife stabbed (gasps) to death on their driveway and her car is gone. Oh my gosh. I know. And like brutally stabbed to death. Not just like, I guess there's nothing besides a brutal stabbing. I'm starting to remember hearing about this and I don't like, now I want to like call my dad and be like, hey, did you know these people? I feel like. Please do. Like, I remember hearing about this, and it was, like, in the context of, like, so-and-so had this terrible thing happen to them. So maybe we could do, like, in a future episode after you talk to your dad, maybe we could have, like, a follow-up corner or but name it a better thing than that, (laughs) like, where we add context to past episodes. remember this happening? (laughs) Yeah, basically. (laughs) Well, I I was telling Liz, uh, I'd like to have my dad as a guest soon so he can talk about a thing that happened to us. I would like that too. Yeah. I was not expecting her to be out in the driveway. Please continue. Yeah. Okay. Horrific. So you might wonder like, why didn't he check the driveway during the night? But I would, my guess um, is that he probably did like kind of glance out the window, but just didn't see her car because you wouldn't look for a dead body. Yeah. You know, you'd look for the car. I think he was totally responsible and it wasn't a weird thing to over, you know, anyway. Yeah, it's not shady or anything that he didn't. Yeah, go out totally. For and her he was doing like there without the vehicle, right? And right. he'd made all the responsible calls and everything yeah. that you would make at that. time. It's not like you would like, you know. Now I might wander outside on my cell phone to see if I, you know, if my husband hasn't come home, I might take my cell phone and walk outside to see if I see him driving up or anything. But yeah. back then, when your phone is connected to the wall, yeah, you don't exactly. really do that. Exactly. You just stay inside by the phone in case it rings. Totally. Yes, that would be the thing. Exactly. Thank you. I I guess I've forgotten how landlines work at this point. I didn't even think of that. But you would have to stay by the phone. So again, our local newspaper, the news press probably had articles about this, but I was unable to access them. Right. And so going from the Daily Nexus and um, what they reported was that Santa Barbara Sheriff's officials told them what probably happened is that David Martinez, a 20-year-old 21-year-old man who had, um, he wasn't from Santa Barbara, and he'd grown up in, like, the Virgin Islands, uh, and then, he, but he had just moved to Santa Barbara a couple of months before, in September, and he had no address, and I don't know if that means he was homeless or living out of his car or staying with friends, but he didn't, he hadn't established residency in town, Okay. Um, and he was driving an older car, and his car broke down, and then he saw Noreen DiMartino's red laser brand new parked kind of I, I believe like a little bit off on its own but at the video store yeah at the video store and this is just for again context from me there's not a parking lot at that location it's just like a big street and then there are some par- perpendicular spots huh. right in front Where of the it? little tiny storefront is it on the upper state yeah what's there now I didn't look and hmm. I, I knew that I should, but I just consciously decided to half-ass it. So um, I think, but it's in the area of like the Dutch Garden restaurant, oh, okay, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay. like there-ish. So, I'm trying to remember if I ever went to that Captain video. 
I mean, you must. Have. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, was it by the riv? <laughs> no, that's further down. Okay. Is that the sex shop? Yes. Okay. It's a different <laughs> kind of video store. Different video store. Okay. So he saw her car, which is new, and um, she left it unlocked. So he decided he was going to steal it. And he got into it and looked for the keys. And I don't know if that was a thing at the time that you would just like leave your keys in, in the car. Every movie. Like, my, isn't my it? Dad, my like, dad would leave the keys in, in the ignition constantly. Really? Seriously? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that made sense that he did that then. Um, thank you for that. But was he of... in the back seat looking for the keys? No. Well, he got into the back seat after he couldn't find the keys. Gotcha. I'll just nap here then. Right. And he decided that, yeah, he was just going to wait for her to come back and then get the keys. Um, so he's just looking to upgrade his vehicle or? He just needs a ride. Yeah. He just needs a working vehicle, I guess. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, speculatory. Yeah. Yeah. She wasn't raped. As far as I know, so yeah, <laughs> my brain was like, "Well, that's the only other reason." But sorry if you're going to get to this, but interesting that he drove her home. No, no, no. He hid in that stupid, crappy backseat until they got to until her they house. got to her house. So weird. And the sheriff, the sheriff's office said that they don't believe that she was aware that he was in her car the whole ride home, which is the horrifying part of it. Yeah, that our parents played up to us mm. that we needed that to would, check. That seems just even more terrible for the husband oh yeah because it happened outside and he didn't he wasn't aware of it yeah and could have potentially happened while he was like on the phone trying to figure out where she was yeah right i didn't you know it seems more like if this guy was just trying to you know carjack yeah he would have just done it somewhere else instead of at her own home and here's the thing he brought a knife with him so yeah like but you would think that you, know. you would just kind of like, you know, like tell the person to pull it. I mean, now I'm starting You're to sound like I yeah. put more thought into this than I actually have. But, <laughs> you know, like it would be better to just kind of chuck someone into the bushes instead of their the driveway in front of their own house where potentially someone inside could hear you. Do you mean like kill them and then put them in the bushes or like just push them into the bushes? I'm sorry. I mean, why, well, didn't, he yeah, just, like, like, take, why didn't he just take the keys from her? Hop and... out and say, pull over. Yeah. And then. Oh, OK. So. Yes, that would make way more sense. Um, they think that she fought back and didn't want to give him the keys, but I don't know exactly how they know that because yeah. you know I don't know. It just seems like... more risky to to do it at someone's house than yeah, a random totally. place. Totally. Uh, he's in the back of the of her sporty little red car, horrifyingly close to her <laughs> the whole time. Um, and the idea of just like I mean, so close because those cars are so stupid yes. with the back seat so. Mm-hmm crammed close like how does she not hear him breathing and i don't know i don't know Blech. there was a struggle back at the in the driveway of the house and he stabbed her they didn't say how many times but a lot of times and the fatal wound was one to the neck that like almost severed her spinal oh, column oh my god so like um super brutal and sad and she just laid in the driveway all night while he was driving her car away um, four days later, on November 15th, Orange County police found David Martinez um, in Laguna Niguel, which is about a two and a half hour drive south mm-hmm. from Santa mm-hmm. Barbara. Um, he had been in an accident in the nice oh. little red car, and the police noticed that the registration was not in his name. And in my opinion, they did a really good job of actually realizing that that car was being sought in connection with a murder, because we all know from like the Golden State Killer Mm -hmm. stuff that we obsessively followed that um 
the different counties didn't speak to each other right. super well. Yeah. Uh, and so I was impressed by the fact that they knew right away yeah. that that car was a car that was being sought. Um, excellent 80s California police work, <laughs> I guess. Um, so the article in the Daily Nexus had a quote from Sheriff Sergeant Jan Bullard. I think it was a woman. I don't know. Um, she put out a message about safety, and I'll read you that now. Jan Bullard made the following general remarks about safety, quote, it's always a good idea for anyone, not just a woman, to check out the interior of a car before getting in. <laughs> I carry a little flashlight on my key ring so I can check out the back of my car. When you have a new car, you want to park it far away from everyone in the world, unquote. But then it goes on to say, but she recommended parking in a well-lighted place, both to save a long, dark walk and to illuminate the interior of the car. Because I guess, as you're saying, like, there weren't uh, tinted windows. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story. That was the story that all of the girls my age were told by their parents when they started to drive. And I did not get my driver's license for a good few years after that. So our parents were saving this up, like, to tell us when we got our driver's licenses to, like really go into the details about it and drill it into our heads that we really needed to check. Um, I don't remember any like real, real scary stories like that. I remember like in Sacramento or where were you? Well, yeah, like Sacramento area. Um, I just mean like those like cautionary tales from parents. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, it was more like, oh, put on clean underwear in case you get in an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and they have, and like a paramedic has to cut them off of you. You don't want to have dirty underwear. Like, what? Okay, but you don't want you don't want your nice underwear being cut off by a paramedic, right? <laughs> I'm trying to think of any like your Wednesday panties, cautionary the tales, the pack of the like day that. of the week ones. I will say, in all my ride-alongs, I never never considered uh, the state the state of the person's underwear. See, I, yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah, no, I I feel like like either a I I heard about this and I knew about that. See, the thing is. Uh, at the time in 89, we had already moved down towards Ventura. So I wasn't living in town when this happened, but, um, but yeah, I feel like there was some sort of connection, um, or I was told about it or something, but I always feel like there was, uh, plenty of urban legend type stories related to this. So I did always, I mean, that was a thing that I definitely thought, definitely thought about, but you know, just for anxiety's sake just all the different ways that someone could be hiding somewhere and waiting to ambush and murder me. Yeah. Right. And then are they, oh, maybe they're not in the car, but they're under the car and they're going to like yeah, yeah. cut your ankles or right. whatever. And like... do they have a hook for yeah, a hand? Exactly. <laughs> this story reminds me of that. I always think of like the hook story. Um, so anyway, uh, Mr. DiMartino lived until 2012. He has passed away. He remarried. Oh. Did um, he stay here in Santa Barbara and live oh, in the I house? I think so. Wow. Yeah. That'd be tough. Um, I could check <laughs> the Daily Nexus, like, went hard on identifying information they gave out in the first article when nobody had been caught. Like, they gave out their exact address. Oh, gosh. And the license plate number of her car. How wow. long wait, How long did it take till they found Just him? four days. Four days. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, uh, he was a great, like, sweet little man. And I don't know. I'm sad that that happened to his wife. Yeah, yeah that's terrible. And that's uh, that's my story. Wow, Ugh, it's wild to have that that really personal connection. Yeah, there were two like cautionary tale uh, crimes that my parents chose to use instead of the obvious Golden State Killer <laughs> ones. Uh, that would have been way more effective. 
he was also active in Sacramento, and I never heard about. I know it's what were they doing? I was there like some that. sort of like yeah, bulletin to our parents? Like telling. don't don't tell them. Yeah, it's I don't remember scary. being told about it's him. It's just either. too scary. Don't yeah. even think about it. Or or maybe I mean at the time though didn't they weren't really connecting all of it. I, okay, this is conversation for another episode. We no, that's a, I mean well I think that we will do the Galita. Yeah, kill, like maybe that's one that we could each take one house. But I don't do think it. at the time I don't think at the time they had connected all of them right. together is what I'm saying. But so. like if you have a series of murders right. happening in your town, yeah, <laughs> real similar murders too yeah. of really similar types of people and yeah. like within a one mile radius. But yeah, so this is one of the two, and we might do I guess yeah. I might do the second one, um, although the victim in that one is still alive, and that brings up privacy problems. Sure. Yeah, no, that's it. That's all I have. Thanks for telling that one. Yeah. You're Thanks welcome. for reminding me. Of- <laughs> ask your dad. Yeah. I'm I know. Ask I'm about it. Super curious to hear if he remembers it. Yeah. Who's got a question for... Oh, the magic eight The ball. magic... Oh, wait. Before we do that, slight throwback to uh-huh. um, episode one when Jen told us about St. Barbara. Um, and, uh, I mentioned my husband's uncle getting struck by lightning twice. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, so I, I am trying to get more details. Apparently he wrote a letter to my brother-in-law about his experience. Um, but, but one little snippet that my brother-in-law told me is that he was, he was with a few other people, at least one or two other people. And, um, there was a tree, like uh, this is in Texas. So I don't know if they were like out in a field or what was going on exactly, but, but the tree next to them got struck. And the um, the lightning, like the current or whatever, came through the ground oh my up into them. And he, their uncle said that that when the the electricity like first came into him, his heart stopped, <gasps> and he fell like he fell back. And when he hit the ground, his his heart started up again. So whoa, yeah. So that's all that's all the detail I've gotten so far. But I will try to find out more. Did I mention last time? I probably didn't because I was enthralled that I was in a house when it got hit by lightning. No. And the same thing happened. It hit a tree next to our house in Massachusetts and went into the ground and the yard was done in like gravel or something. So you could see a trench where the lightning like shot across the ground into the house and then wow. started a little fire in our basement. We had to stay in our neighbor's house for the evening. Oh my gosh. It was so loud. Yeah. Thank you for follow up corner. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, so what are we going to ask the magic eight ball? I don't know, what are we going to ask the question. magic eight ball? Should we ask if we if she knew that he was in the car with her or should it be something she, different? gosh, I just like if you knew somebody was in the car, wouldn't you drive like straight to a police station or something? I would just drive <laughs> into a tree. Like, I, no, I would probably just like stop at a light and, jump and then just hop out yes. and just book it. Yeah. We have this little um a little um golf cart type electric vehicle at work that I would drive sometimes and Every time I got in that thing, I would, I, I like had a plan for if somebody, just if some random person like jumped on it with me, I was like, I am just going to jump right off of this thing so fast. Oh, and, like, yeah. Leave the keys in it. Yeah. I don't care. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine that happening, but I bet it happens. I mean, even if it's not like oh, nefarious, checking. even if it's just yeah. like <laughs> mischief, just like, nope. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Gra- I mean, grab the key if I can, but if not, I'm out of here. <laughs> But I thought about it a lot. Oh. <laughs> we should ask the Magic 8-Ball, will we now, for the next one month, check the backseat every time we drive? I'll do it like today and then forget. <laughs> oh, I do it every day. I still do the thing where I throw my arm back there and like swish back and forth. Check for <laughs> Hoping knives. to like f- find oh some small person. <laughs> I was in that golf cart with you so many times with you driving and you never told me the plan. <laughs> 
<laughs> jerk. Now I now I wish I, I wish I had away, leaving I wish I had run out and jumped in it at some point when you guys were in it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Dressed in a disguise. <laughs> Halloween prank. Yes. Oh my god. Okay, somebody come up with this. Okay. Is anyone listening? We already know they are. We looked at our stats, Jen. I know. We are baffled by <laughs> analytics. That there are more than three people listening. And delighted. So we love you. Yes. Thank you so much for tuning in to this ridiculous <laughs> thing. Uh, Indulging our... Yes. It's super Will awesome. Will we finish our logo? Oh, shut up. That's my job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no pressure. We'll make it happen. Okay. Um, okay. I don't want to ask a question about her murder because it seems yeah. disrespectful now that I think about it, but... Let's say... Were Jen and Summers ever in Hope Ranch trick-or-treating? Ooh, did trick we ever trick-or-treat the same? <laughs> Do you remember? It was, there was a haunted house where, like, the family... Their house was like a ranch style that had windows all along one side and you would like go from window to window and they would like act something out for you. Did what? you ever go to that? I don't remember that, but okay. I do remember that they used to be like, uh, they would do haunted houses in like empty storefronts. Like there was one at Ho- oh, really? uh, uh, Five Points cool. one time. Okay. Were Jen and Summers <laughs> ever in the same place at the same time as kids? Okay. Did we ever trick or treat at the same place at the okay. same time? You may rely on it. Oh. <laughs> we're both getting full-size snickerses yes. at the same time <laughs> excellent awesome. okay that's all i had okay well thanks so much for listening thanks for listening Keep see on. you next time thanks for listening to the ghoul's guide to santa barbara like and subscribe on spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at ghoul's guide to sb our website is ghoulsguidetosb.com. Got a spooky story or know of a haunted or paranormal location in Santa Barbara? Send it to us at ghoulsguidetosb at gmail.com.